Welcome to the Ether. Today is Monday, August 15th, 2022. Today on the Ether, Web3 starts here, Episode 8 Blockchain and Verified Identity with Encode Technologies. Hosted by Proton. Let's take a listen. Hey, hey, LF. How are you doing? All right. Good morning, Will. You're it. You're in. Perfect. <laughs> Thank you. No, welcome. Do we have Oz? Good. He is on the way. Wonderful. I started it a bit prematurely this time just to give people an opportunity to join. So excellent. I trust everybody had a good weekend. I did, yes. Looking nice. forward to a, a short vacation this week as well, which will be nice. Uh, awesome. But then what's a what's a vacation in Web3 there? <laughs> <laughs> no, right. It was so funny on um I was out for dinner on Friday night with a uh, with a friend where not a friend, my girlfriend's friend. And um, this guy had an MBA from Harvard, an undergrad from Cambridge, worked for McKinsey. And uh, we were just talking about work. And I said, you know, I never feel like I'm working. I love it so much. And they were just shocked and completely jealous. And it was just like this, you know, we're in this shift now, I feel, in the professional world that a lot of those things that were maybe deemed as important in the past are slowly becoming not as important. Yeah, yeah, I, I fully understand. I uh, I come from the consulting world. Uh, uh, spent uh, almost twenty years uh, doing okay. consulting, uh, so I, I I fully understand how your uh, your friends felt. Um, uh, but yeah, um, the the what is important is shifting. And um, it's much better now, right? Yeah, exactly. I think people are just realizing the possibility of like, you know, the greatest talent in the world doesn't necessarily have a degree from the best university. I I saw this morning that um, PwC actually announced that in the UK, you don't need a 2-1 or a first to get a job. That was like a prerequisite before. Yeah, whereas now they've just said, look, if you graduate, you're good enough. there we go. Hey, folks. Can you hear me? We can. How's oh, it going? Excellent. Good, good. Finally. You're it's in? It's three-step process, so to say. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, like, Twitter spaces are, are really taken off, and, you know, we see a lot of people using them, but the, the UI still needs a little bit of work. But we're getting there. They are getting better. Yeah, so it seems. Hi, Olaf. How are you doing? Hey, us. I'm doing quite well. Thank you. How are you? Good, good. Coming Perfect. towards the end of the day. Very happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Nice. That's it. It's that, that Web3, uh, you're finishing your work day and we're just starting ours. 
exactly. Yes, we, we don't we don't stop, do we? Ever? <laughs> no, really. <laughs> and I just put put out a video a couple of weeks ago, and my friend was asking me about working in this industry and how do I find it. And we got to the point where we're talking about my Christmas day. Grant away in a in a cupboard with COVID, but we were minting NFTs on Christmas day of Christmas trees. And I was doing it with our community moderator and developer from, from Korea, which wow. was, uh, yeah, it's a good time. It just shows that we don't really stop, but I think that, you know, just carrying on from what I was saying, I left about the people I met on Friday and, you know, work, not feeling like work is it's so awesome because things like that, you know, are fun and, when you love what you do, it's just a complete shift. And I learn that more and more from people that work in our industry. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Couldn't agree more. Same yeah. here. I mean, we hardly stop. It's, it's, it doesn't feel like a job or work to us, right? I mean, we start early during the day. And then, of course, we have our own things going on at the same time. But somehow we make time for everything plus our work during the whole day so yeah that nine of five mindset is disappeared already uh, well, in our i think a big part of it right as well is because of that global aspect so we're saying here like you're finishing your work day like we have opportunities to work with people in our business at any point throughout the day so you know taking some time in the middle of the day to go and do something because the people that you need to be online at that point aren't online um you know you can't do anything so you know i find myself coming back from dinner at like 11 p.m and i know that you know you know paul's online in new zealand and we really sit down and hash some things out that we were really trying to get done and i think as well especially like I, from my perspective working in marketing is that like creativity comes at different points throughout the day and normally for me personally it's after i've been for a run or i've worked out later in the evening so you know, how can you harness that throughout the day? But um, yeah, we're we're very lucky. So look, let's uh, let's kick this one off. It, it feels pretty amazing to be saying episode eight. Um, it, it's August now, so I guess that technically means we've we've come. we've kind of been pumping one of these out a month, some um, a little more frequently than we have. But um, you know, for anyone that's just joining for the first time. This is our uh, our digital audio series called Web3 Starts Here. Uh, we kicked it off with um, Yelena McWilliams, who was the former chairman of the FDIC. And, you know, we've just had an incredible flow of guests that have continued on since. And uh, today we are very lucky to have uh, LF or Louis Philippe from um, Encode and also Oscar from uh, or Oz, as he's known internally at Metallicus, but Oz from from our team, who is our director of global compliance and risk. So, um, both, thank you very much for coming today. Thank, thank you, for you for, me. Yeah, thank you for the invitation. Uh, it's a pleasure. We're just we're really happy to bring more and more of our partners uh, on board because I think a big big part part of what we're getting these, you know, not just Metallicus, not just Encode, but everyone globally working within this Web3 blockchain cryptocurrency industry of, you know, we've seen quite a few bad actors in 
in the last few months and and i think collectively you know the the good actors need to do a collective job to really just help continue to educate and continue to raise the profile of our industry and that leads us into a you know a pretty important topic today which is obviously around verified identity and blockchain and you know one of those core pieces um which really helps stop a lot of what we've seen um in the last few months so look let, let's kick it off i'm going to start by asking oz to introduce himself uh, as one of the the metallicus employees and then yeah once oz has introduced himself lf if, if you'd also like to introduce yourself that would be awesome so yeah oz tell us a little bit about yourself how you got into the industry uh, and how you ended up at metallicus Yes, absolutely. Thank, thanks a lot for the intro, uh, Will. Well, I mean, my background is, um, um, I, I have a legal degree. I mean, I have a legal background, better said, but also some economics past. So I have worked for uh, some um, logistics companies before, some law firms. I've been a lecturer in law for uh, two universities now. Um, but I would say about four years ago, when, when the European of Estonia first decided to um, to issue their first licenses on virtual assets um, and um, exchange of virtual assets, I happen to be in Estonia. It's been a while before that that I was introduced in cryptocurrencies thanks to my uh, very interested friends. So I had some genuine interest towards the industry. And before long, I got some offers from few crypto exchanges in, in based in Estonia. So that's how I first got in, got introduced into the um, uh, industry uh, as a real employee for one of those uh, exchange uh, firms. So I worked for, for about two, two and a half years in two different exchanges. And afterwards, I was lucky enough to offer the place in Metallicus as the European AML officer. I was in, I was in charge of the all AML operations um, in EU and, and possibly Turkey. Um, from then onwards, one thing followed the other, and you, before you realize, it's already two and a half years that I've been working for Metallicus now, and currently I'm the head of compliance. Um, it's been a great ride, and um, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much I could say about me joining Metallicus. It's been a bit of a whirlwind since it started, right? <laughs> well, of course, I mean, there's not a dull day here in Metallicus. I mean, of course, in the industry either, but we're we're not walking, we're running. We're trying to stay compliant. We're trying to be uh, the ones that take the lead, right? Um, and uh, we want to contribute our portion into the financial stability. So everything together, we're very busy. Um, yeah, what to sure. say, it's, it's a wild ride. Oh, thanks, Oz. And Alef, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure, sure. Thank you, Will. Um, so as, as Will said, I'm uh, LF, um, short for Luis Felipe. Um, I, you know, I've, I was a consultant for about 20 years of my life. Um, I had the opportunity to see how, you know, Fortune 500 companies operate and, and learn a lot. But then I, I decided I wanted to do something that had a bit more impact and that was uh, more interesting to me. Uh, so I, I decided to join Encode and, um, I'm guessing not not many people on the call are familiar with Encode, so just give a little bit of, of background. So we we define ourselves as a biotrust company, uh, creating the customer experience of, of the future. 
And what we've done is we've developed a, a platform that allows us to confirm the identity of the person um, that is at the other side of the transaction. And so this is critical in financial uh, services industry. It will be critical for Web3, and it's the reason why we're partnering with Metallicus. Um, you know, the, the, some of the biggest challenges um, that, that are being faced is, and Will alluded to this, is how do you keep up with all the fraud and the ability to create fake IDs? Um, and and we, we, we buy fake IDs to train our, uh, our system. And every time we see them, they, they are, you're barely able to distinguish them uh, from the real ones. And so we are, this is the problem that Encode decided to, to solve. And we're solving it using technology and using AI and also partnering with, um, you know, identity uh, databases, basically governments um, and um, the, the industry that requires um, this identity verification services. Awesome. Yeah, so look, to, to give everyone a background, we, Metallicus um, works very closely with Encode, and what we want to try and get from today is just to give you all a little bit of little bit of a deeper understanding into verified identity and, and how the two the two companies work together and, and why it's important. So but we I think the first question and, and probably to both Oz and LF is um, you know, what do we mean by verified identity? Go for it, Oz. All right. Thanks, Olaf. Well, I mean, uh, verified identity is, puts in very plain terms, um, making sure um, by means of uh, verifiable data uh, that the person on the other side of the transaction, whether it's onboarding or a financial transaction, making sure that they are the person who they say they are, right? For that, there are a lot of um, uh, different data sets that will be put in uh, working uh, to 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 ensure that, I'm sure Aleph will tell us more about it in a moment, uh, but mainly we use PII or uh, biometrics as well as some self-declared data to ensure uh, that the person is, is the one who they claim they are. Yeah, exactly. And so, so you know, it, it is very, very important that this process to confirm the identity is, um, is as frictionless as possible, right? Because otherwise, people are not really going to use it, and, and the adoption will suffer. Um, and so, what we've built, you know, Encode is, is, you know, three three basic building blocks. Uh, one, uh, you take a photograph of your ID, front and back, or of your passport, and we run machine learning tests on it to make sure that it's not a, a fake. ID, or that you haven't photoshopped it, or you haven't overimposed the photograph. Um, the second major block is to take a selfie. And with that selfie, we do a biometric comparison between your selfie and the photograph on the ID. And so that gives us a very high level of assurance that your face matches the face in the ID. And the third and, and very important uh, last block of, of, of the process is to do what is called a proof of life test. And this helps us distinguish between someone holding a photograph of yourself uh, or a video and the real person. 
So we can, through AI, um, tell if there's a real person in front of the camera. And so these three basic blocks, plus a number of other modules that we've developed where you can capture a signature, where you can uh, get a proof of address document, um, and even do you know an, an, an OFAC check for uh, AML purposes, uh, like that's something that Oz will certainly be uh, interested in. So all these little uh, blocks, we put them together as Legos and create onboarding flows. And that's how, uh, that's how we get uh, confirmation of the identity. Yeah, exactly. And of course, Luis Felipe, it doesn't end there, right? I mean, once we have onboarded a user, once we have verified everything, we need to ensure that this verified identity also stays verified and valid, right? That brings us to the next step of, on an ongoing basis, verifying the identity. Exactly, and so monitoring for changes, you know, in um, from from uh, watch lists, and uh, making sure that when the ID expires, that there are you know business rules to uh, to request you know uh, another step of uh, identity verification, um, and um, and yeah, so so the monitoring is also important. Um, and we have the ability to, in, in certain countries, right, um, where this is available, um, we can connect to the, the identity database, um, the official identity database, right? So, for example, in Mexico, where the national identity is the voter registration card, we're the only company that has a direct connection to it and that can do a biometric comparison against the photograph on record. Uh, and we can also confirm that the data matches. We're uh, we're working with the DMVs across the, the 50 states uh, in the U.S. trying to set up a, a similar service. And we're also working with Brazil, Colombia, uh, Chile, Peru uh, to to have the same service. So this is going to become more and more the preferred way um, of of confirming identity because it eliminates um, fraud through uh, through fake IDs. Um, I've never I've never heard the term proof of life before. <laughs> I know I had never heard it uh, uh, before I joined the industry, but um, you, you you may have heard liveness check. Well, it's how we use it internally. Yeah, exactly. It sounds Ex like something from a hospital. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and, and you know, it's interesting because there used to be the active way of doing liveness. So um, companies would ask you to move your head from left to right or follow a dot um, or smile or, you know, make certain gestures. Uh, but that's easy to spoof. Um, you can have a, a video or you can use multiple photographs of the same person. Uh, we actually have a team that is dedicated to spoofing other technologies. Um, and so it's it's really easy to spoof those active um, liveness uh, solutions. And the, the beauty of, uh, of passive liveness really is, is what we've built is with just one single photograph, we can tell if it's a real person or not. And so it's, it's like magic. Um, and and it, is, it is critical uh to make sure that you have the right person in front of the camera for sure and it, it, 
I think as well, you know, you touched on the word AI, and I think what's really exciting is, is obviously as AI gets more progressed, that these, you know, these systems are just going to get stronger and stronger, right? So, in in uh, an industry where you know we might see people submitting IDs and just sort of floating around the same approval process, eventually we should get to a point where really there is fundamentally no way to hack the system which is really great exactly that's what we're uh, what we're trying to achieve and so you know continuing the, the the conversation i wanted to to hear from oz right um so metallica has evaluated very you know many different uh solutions and, and providers what were the um the top evaluation criteria um, that you use to select a solution? What was important for you guys? That's an excellent question, Alep. Um, I mean, I'm sure you, you know it yourself or anyone who's involved in the industry also um, has experienced that there, there's a reflux of uh, uh, the same product, which tends to be doing the same thing, right? Verification, identity verification, pretty much utilizing the same uh, patterns that are available uh, in the market, as well as the same uh, flows for onboarding. Uh, the difference we have um, um, noticed with Encode uh, back at the day was the the, the AI learning piece uh, for the doc for the documentation that is submitted. Right, that was one clear aspect that stood away from from the rest. Um, this is, of course. Um, when we compared the um, the, uh, the the features on, on the paper, basically, also on the testing side, you've seen very um, uh, high pass rates um, uh, and no uh, false positives. I mean, very uh, limited amount of false positives when it came to the liveness checks and the accuracy thereof. So for us, it wasn't that difficult decision, and we made our um, recommendation accordingly. Yeah, wonderful. And so how how does this, you know, ability to verify identity, how does that benefit, you know, the Metallicus community? Um, how are you using it to improve um, your end user experience? Yes, of course. I mean, for to start off with, um, the main purpose, so one of the main purposes of Proton is to provide uh, safe access to its users to digital finance, right? So it's our very it's, it's one aspect that we um, that we are very um, concerned and very um, uh, interested in exploring and making better. So in that sense, uh, we have been trying a lot of products from the market to see which one would prove the best and easiest solution or onboarding uh, solution uh, to the users. I mean, it's of course not possible to expect from one product to be um, the best product for a certain region, right? For example, Encode is 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 way better in US than um, for, with its, for example, the the, the driver's license um, uh, verification possibility in fifty states. If I'm not mistaken, please correct me if I'm wrong. Um, uh, then, then for example, finding exact addresses in Europe, right? So we, we're utilizing different systems at the same time just to provide uh, the safest and the easiest solution 
for onboarding. And as you can imagine, for any um, uh, financial app, it is very important that your onboarding flow is not that uh, complicated. Um, and also the liveness check piece, as well as document submission, they are uh, very uh, quick and uh, that you do not have to repeat it uh, many times. So we have seen uh, very usable, very acceptable rates uh, in terms of these um, um, submissions. And this is mainly how it makes our ecosystem a better place. Wonderful. Um, yeah, and you know, maybe have you guys considered taking it one step further? Um, because having the ability to biometrically confirm someone allows you to authenticate them. And so, uh, you know, maybe in the future, I don't know if you've, you've gone down this uh, path, but you could authenticate with your face to, you know, approve a transaction or to log in uh, in wallet um, or use it as a step up authentication for a, a, a riskier uh, transaction that you're about to perform. Yeah, for sure. Um, this is something um, we've been considering in different uh, ways, especially um, with our project Identity on Chain on Proton, as you're also aware of, Philip. Um, so yeah, this is one um, easier way of, uh, for example, using an identity already established on our chain uh, to communicate um, with other chains. And while doing that, it's, it's going to be a very fast process and the user does not have to go through these processes, but rather just uh, provide their um, face ID and, and immediately the transaction is on its way, right? So this is definitely one of the um, features of, um, of uh, digital, digital verification that we're considering um, in the short term. Yeah, perfect. Cool. Well, look, so it leads us quite nicely into um, the regulations behind verified identity, because I'm sure across the globe there are different requirements. So, RZLF, do you have any insight into just how that varies um, and where you think you see it trending over the next, you know, six months to a year? Yeah, absolutely. It's something that I keep myself on a daily basis. Uh, busy. Um, yeah, I mean, KYC um, has become a global standard, right? So also for uh, crypto companies and blockchain sphere, this becomes more and more of a focus area for the regulators. Um, as we have all witnessed in March in US, uh, President Biden has um, signed an executive order were to, to develop cryptocurrency-related regulation that the United States has to be ahead of the, uh, the rest of the world in providing a safe regulatory environment uh, for financial, digital financial, digital finance companies. So um, in that aspect, it is definitely the case that more regulations are uh, expected in the U.S. Um, and um, their focus area uh, Will be uh, going will be the same as Proton's purpose. In that, I mean, uh, for example, the focus areas are 
uh, for the regulator in US will be the consumer um, um, safety, um, the integrity of the financial system, um, as well as um, uh, the, the security uh, aspect, and by that is also the fraudulent activities and fraudulent transactions uh, included. So these are all three areas that um, Proton has, has distinguished itself and has put under its purpose. So where the regulations are growing towards are already the direction we have taken with Proton already for about two years now. Um, last year, we have started applying KYC, light KYC to our, our bridge products. And as of the 30th of June, uh, we're applying uh, KYC to all of our, um, <coughs> to all of our uh, decentralized applications um, functioning on Proton. Uh, looking at it more globally, the regulatory sphere is also evolving towards the FATF recommendations, where also cryptocurrencies should be uh, uh, regulated and subject to all KYC requirements based on a risk approach. So this is um, something that we can very clearly see uh, the, the, the um, different jurisdictions are evolving towards. <coughs> Excuse me. The same thing I can give more uh, concrete example of is, for example, in Republic of Estonia, the AML code has been now changing for the third time in two years, uh, where more and more um, uh, strict rules are being imposed on cryptocurrency exchanges, as well as wallet service providers, where um, all uh, users have to be fully KYC'd before they can make use of any products. Um, Aleph, maybe you have some something to add. Yeah, and and so in addition to all these, you know, financial regulations, we see an an increase in in the personal data regulation, right? So how do we protect people's privacy and their personal data? And so you know, the the most important law or regulation around this topic, of course, is GDPR. It has the the broadest scope. Um, in terms of the number of countries that um, have adopted it. But we see emerging, uh, you know, regulations that have been transplanted from, from GDPR uh, into Mexico, into Brazil. We see it, you know, in, in the U.S. a little bit with uh, CCPA and uh, BIPA, which is uh, the Illinois um, Biometric uh, Protection Act. And um, there, you know, each country is is adopting a flavor of of, of similar regulation as, as GDPR, and this is becoming you know critical. Uh, and it is what it's this makes it so important to receive the consent from the end user uh, to process their personal data, right, and to minimize the the use of that data and to be very specific with the purposes for which you are collecting that data of course that data you know once you are the controller uh, you are you have to protect it you need to make sure that when you collect it it's encrypted in transit and that if you store it it's also encrypted and that you minimize access to it um, from uh, even from your team, 
So um, those are also some important, you know, regulations and, and topics that are transforming the industry. Yeah, exactly. Um, when it comes to GDPR, especially in Europe, uh, this is a very, very uh, sensitive area for us to um, to focus on and, and to work very diligently. As you have correctly pointed out, LF, uh, collection of uh, consent is, is one of the uh, a very uh, important requirements of the GDPR. But as you have also correctly uh, pointed out, collecting data and receiving consent does not necessarily mean that your your platform is secure or you have uh, fulfilled uh, your obligations towards GDPR, right? Uh, then we need to make sure that all the data is collected, are, are kept and, uh, kept and uh, transferred also uh, accordingly. Uh, uh, in accordance with GDPR requirements. Um, and also, again, coming back to the consent piece, we have to make sure that all the consent uh, that is collected must be very, very specific. For example, uh, for agreeing with the privacy uh, terms and conditions is one consent, and at the same time, transferring your data, let's say, between two of the company entities one based in EU, the other in US, should be uh, of a different um, uh, consent requirement. So they have to be very specific. They have to be very easily understandable by the user. And also we should be able to provide um, uh, any kind of additional relief that they may seek uh, based on their rights driving from the GDPR. So this is um, a very important area as you have uh, pointed out. Um, yeah, and GDPR itself um, is also in some ways very close to the uh, CCPA and uh, also our privacy uh, program uh, is centered around this. We have also recently uh, hired a chief information security officer, Juno Lee. I'm sure uh, we'll, we'll invite him for another um, uh, session uh, sometime soon. Um, and we have uh, drafted our new roadmap towards becoming uh, more and more secure uh, with the data we're collecting. So uh, the future is looking very bright for proton and metallics. Awesome. So look, I, I've got a little, I've got a question which is a little bit off piece from our uh, pre-arranged ones, but I think it's it's pretty relevant for everyone that's here. So we obviously know that within you know cryptocurrency and blockchain that some people have some sort of resistance towards KYC, maybe because they feel that their data isn't safe or they don't want to pass their data on to a third party. But do you think we're going to see a shift um, in our industry where people are more willing to, you know, to go through the KYC process? And how do you think, you know, we overcome that battle of letting people know how important it is to, to ensure that you do have verified identity? Uh, for verified identity, I think it's um, um, essential that uh, the users also understand uh, the the advantages that come with it instead of those that go with it, right? Yeah. Uh, so, for example, with Proton, uh, when we uh, issue a verified identity on chain, that blue check mark, we would only issue that for the exact name of the user, right? And if they want to stay uh, not so, uh, if they want to stay fully private, they could uh, still use a different name without the verification uh, checkmark on it. 
But at the same time, they still have to verify themselves to Metallicus. So, I mean, in other words, they still have to trust us for uh, keeping their data safe. Um, so different from that, uh, looking to the question you asked you know, from a more general or broader perspective, um, uh, KYC has, has become also a global requirement, right? Well, I mean, at some point, I do not think it will be possible for a user to uh, transact in any way um, without a fully KYC uh, solution. Uh, to add to that, the, the new uh, travel rule that is also being now applied in the U.S. Um, with a very clear statement from the FinCEN, and also something that's being uh, developed globally after FATF recommendation on it, uh, is going to make things impossible for those who don't want to go through KYC. We will have to uh, transact a lot of information of the user to the next address, to the next stop, that could be either an exchange or another financial institution, which has to collect this information and also pass through on their turn. Um, so to answer your question, I don't think uh, this is going to take a different route. And I think users uh, will understand the, the advantages that come with it and uh, choose to fully KYC. Sure. I think as well, like you know, a lot, of our Proton community that have and having that incredible access to all of the dApps because they know of the security and, and how easy the products are to use and especially the KYC process on Proton is so seamless and easy to do. I think it simply just comes down to like more education and, and letting people know the importance of it. Exactly, exactly. It's our job to, to make sure that these processes are as easy as possible while uh, being able to explain uh, our position of providing a safe environment for themselves and for their funds, as well as uh, remaining a regulatory compliant blockchain um, uh, yeah. as, a, as, a, as a main rule. It's kind of, it's, you know, you think of it as well, it's like there's only really two parties, right? Well, there's not even two parties, it's one party. It's you, your ID, and the blockchain, whereas you know, previous experiences of that going into a bank and handing over your physical ID. And then where's that piece of ID going then? Who's taking that copy? Exactly, right. Is there a physical paper copy of that? You know, exactly the other right. day, I think it was, uh, I went to drop a couple of checks off to um, someone that was repairing my car and I forgot one of the checks and they wouldn't let me leave unless I gave them a photocopy of my credit card. And I was like, well, that's really not okay. And they said, well, you can't that's have really your good. car. So, you know, it, it, it's kind of like people are reluctant to do it sometimes when it's off the bat. But if you look at the comparative options of what we're currently doing and what we think is okay, it's actually so much better and so much safer. I mean, e even in the US and Canada now, you still can pass over your physical credit card to a server. You will take that card away, walk 50 meters away, you know, a few minutes. You don't even know what they're doing with it. Exactly. I mean, same thing goes for our also internal processes. We're in no way, for example, allowed to download any of users' IDs uh, or any other supply documentation. They all need to stay uh, in the cloud where it's um, confirmed safe and guaranteed to be compliant with uh, privacy rules and regulations, right? So even today, like, even if we don't have to make photocopies at banks, when they do download your ID to one of their computers, 
it's then a huge uh, mystery where that goes and who sees it and where that's right. Yeah. Uh, and I, something, you know, speaking from a marketeer perspective, I remember when GDPR came in and I think I was working at Wagamama at the time and it, it was something crazy. It was like, if you send an email to someone that hadn't double opted in, it's like 5% of your annual revenue or something or, or up to $20 million fines. But you know what that did from a comms perspective was it really did help reduce spam and it really did help protect people's data. And what we found was that businesses and brands were really shifting their communication plans to, to do things more meaningful. And rather than shift out, you know, 10 emails in a week, just trying to get one conversion, people really started to think about their content strategy. And I think as we see regulation come through more in identity, when people, you know, KYC wants and they know that they've got that verified check mark on the chain, it's just going to really improve the way that things work seamlessly as we transact on the blockchain. Absolutely. Yeah, I was I was laughing. Well, uh, we we're talking about the the credit card. So on um, on Saturday we celebrated uh, Sebastian, my eight year old son's birthday, and we were at a, a place with his friends. And uh, my wife took the the credit card and, and paid, but they took it away for like three minutes, three to five minutes. Ridiculous. And as soon as we left, we got a call from uh, Amex saying, hey, there's been a fraudulent uh, charge attempt on your card. We're going to send you a replacement one. So, so yes, I mean, handing over all the, the, the data and, and the, the, the physical card, um, uh, you know, it, it, the current processes are, are not as secure as we think they are. And uh, what is coming and what, what we're working on, I think, is, is, is much better. And uh, it goes down to um, to education and, and um, spreading the benefits of uh, of these approaches to uh, to managing identity. What I mean, what we're obviously talking everything in in such a positive light. Then there must be some, you know, roadblocks or at least big obstacles that you see, you know, before we get to this seamless experience. So, what do you think those are, LF? I think there are significant roadblocks with regulation, right? So, for example, what we're trying to do with the the 50 MVs right across the the states, this requires each state to change the law to allow use of the photographs for identity verification purposes, right? And it also it requires making sure that people um are are aware that it will not be used for surveillance because that's a big um you know concern uh that people are, are really worried that once you start using biometrics um it's going to be used for for surveillance and that is something that we have you know from the start been opposed to doing we've actually been approached by uh you know with with certain opportunities to to perform surveillance services and just you know we've we've decided not to engage in any surveillance activity because we do not think it is uh it is correct um so so I think the biggest hurdle is is regulation and then um you know it's it's adoption right it's uh making sure that people understand how technology works and that 
there is actually no risk that, oh, they're going to steal the biometric. And so therefore my face is now compromised. Um, because as I explained at the beginning, you have to do a proof of life test. You have to pass liveness and, you know, uh, successfully match a face to be able to authorize a, a transaction or authenticate. And so it, it is critical to have both liveness and, and, uh, Biomic uh, matching to the person is there, and so it's just it requires some uh, some education and and spreading the word. But yeah, I think those are the the biggest uh, hurdles at the moment. Cool. What do you think, Oz? Uh, yeah, I, I agree in its entirety. Um, it's a very uh, big piece surrounding the use of biometrics and also how to store them. Right, um, biometrics on itself. Um, is, is easy to store as, as another document digitally. So the next question is what we do with it and how long do we keep it? Um, these are, of course, all requirements that are, um, that are made jurisdictionally. Some are subject to GDPR requirements and some are subject to different uh, jurisdictions where the rules are not that um, stringent. And um, yeah, it's, it's all about what the and regulations impose on us and um, what kind of rules we uh, ourselves impose on on our flows and our processes. But currently we at Metallicus um, adhere to the highest standards set by, uh, by GDPR and by CCPA just to make sure that we don't keep those documents a second uh, longer than is absolutely necessary. Awesome. So look, we're we're getting close towards the end. I guess you know one thing that maybe we could touch upon is any future plans for um, how Encode and Metallicus are working together. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, of course, our our, our working relationship with Encode is uh, is a continuous one, and uh, we have uh, weekly meetings with Encode uh, where we raise our um, some of the issues that we are encountering during the week, and or some areas of uh, growth together. And uh, this is something that we do on an ongoing basis. But other than that, I can see that us working uh, towards um, uh, enhancing and uh, this complex structure that we have in mind as Marshall has had envisioned on identity on chain and how we can make sure that it's available across uh, blockchains. Uh, I think that is one clear area for us to um, work on. What do you think, Alev? Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, hopefully we can uh, we can get to a point where we, you know, biometrically authenticate, uh, you know, the, the end user and um, can biometrically confirm the, the transactions. And that adds a, a layer of protection that does not yet exist in the, uh, in the crypto you know, blockchain community. So yeah, I um, I just wanted to take a, a, a few seconds to say you know I've, I've known Marshall for a couple of years now and Edina uh, um, as well. Uh, I'm a big fan of of what you guys are building, um, and, and just congratulations, Oz and and Will for uh, being part of uh, such a great uh, company, a great uh, community. Thank you, Alive. Much appreciated. Thanks, and you know it doesn't happen without the partners. So. Exactly. Uh, we, we've all got to keep trucking along together and, you know, just keep pushing for, for the right direction. So thanks. 
Hey, so I think we've got time for potentially one question from the audience. Um, look, I am going to give a prerequisite and say only verified identity and blockchain questions. So is there anyone <laughs> that, <laughs> Very is, you know, Very topical. Some, we know there are some questions that are always going to, but yeah, d does anyone in the audience have a question um, for either Oz or Ella on the topic? I'm sure we can get one from somewhere. We'll give it a, there you go. I got one. Crypto Cyclops. Hey, hey. How's it going? Hey, guys. How are you? Thanks so much for the. Good. How are you doing? Good. Thanks so much for the uh, spotlight here. Had a quick question of what you envision, um, you know, payments looking like in the future. Is it a brand new point of sale system that has to, you know, spread wildly across the world? Is it your traditional credit card? You know, the server takes it. They swipe it. The second it gets swiped, you know, your phone pops up with a bio scan. What what does that look like, and how far away are we from, you know, real world use of this type of stuff? I'll uh, I'll turn my mic off and listen. Thanks. Yeah, sure. I can I can take that. Um, so so, I mean, it, it will be a combination of all those scenarios that that you presented, right? We are working with. Uh, certain certain uh, systems where a camera can be included within the POS, and then you know maybe using the uh, the 3D secure uh, protocol, um, biometrically authenticate the transaction. Uh, right now, the 3D secure protocol is the one that asks for the PIN to confirm that you're the rightful owner of that card. But we can use it to send a biometric to the server. The server confirms that. You are that person, you pass a liveness test, and then the transaction has been biometrically confirmed. Uh, we do have also, you know, where wherever there is not a webcam available, we have the ability to transfer the session to the phone. Uh, you get an SMS, click on it, um, camera opens up, take a selfie, and that, um, that way you are authenticated, a proof of life test is done. And the transaction is is processed. So yes, we are we're using combinations of all those different scenarios uh, because the use cases vary wildly. Um, we're working with, uh, for example, hotels right now to to have a seamless check-in experience. And as soon as you set foot in the property, you're recognized and they greet you by name. And so it's there. There's so many use cases for. Um, identity and and biometrically confirmed identity so th that's what what i see in uh, in, in the future for uh, for transactions Oz, do you have anything um different uh, no i um i completely agree with those options and i'm, I'm sure there are more and uh just one other aspect i'd like to add to it is that the, the digital finance is going to require new uh, laws and regulations adjusted to a good extent right and you know this is uh, on the go in in US and also elsewhere in in the world, but it's it, you know at some uh, occasions it may mean that the existing laws are going to be adjusted, and in some jurisdictions it may mean that there will be completely new rules and frameworks. I think the the application process or how soon are we going to see these changes being applied or used on a daily basis is also heavily going to rely uh, upon those changes. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Well, look, I think that uh, that brings us towards the end. So 
just want to say huge thanks, uh, Oz, Ella, for, for coming on today. And, and thank you very much for your time. Super insightful conversation. I'm sure our listeners took a lot away from it. And yeah, I'm sure, look, there's, with it, how fast everything's moving, there's probably going to be a, definitely an opportunity for us to get together in the next few months and, and talk again. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, wonderful. Right. Thank you. Thank you for the invitation. Pleasure. Thanks. For, thanks, Will. Thanks for being thanks, here. No problem. So yeah, that, Have a great that, week. That wraps us up, everyone. Thank you so much for coming, as always, um, supporting the Proton blockchain and supporting our partners in, in what we're doing. Without all of you guys, it wouldn't be possible to do so. So as always, stay active online, stay active on Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, everywhere. Keep pushing out this world. Um, you know, This will be recorded as well, so there'll be a link. It's available, I think, for 30 days, but normally we rip it and, and we'll upload it to, to our YouTube channel. So thanks a lot and we'll see you all soon. Bye bye. Thanks for checking out another episode of The Ether. That was episode eight of Web3 Starts Here, Blockchain and Verified Identity with Encode Technologies. Hosted by Proton. Recorded on Monday, August 15th, 2022. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. Sipping on a little bit of sin I've been giving Try to keep it written down So it feels like I've been living I've been realizing a minute Reality ain't got limits Going out my fucking mind Testing out the physics Stretching out the distance For instance Let me be specific The risk is hedge funding the business Betting on the difference Ingesting all the research Sleeping through the rebirth Sliding out feet first Sleep tight little dreamer Early to bed Early to rise With a rugged ass demeanor Taking beats to the cleaners You know I love my t-shirts And the people who support my little dream here Transparent cows, I gotta steer clear 2020 going down is one fucking weird year Take a second, look around, the psyops is winning Set the table, we just biopsy dinner Now, I'm gonna react to that and act like I'm telling you a personal anecdote Something to break the tension Something to endear myself a little bit Something kind of uh, embarrassing <laughs> And you guys are gonna make an awe sound it's true. It really happened. They got a tracker in the phone, tracking everywhere we go. When it's final, I don't know. I already sold my soul. Getting ready, rock and roll. Tip the first domino. Feeling up, I'm in a bowl with these avalanche flows. Stop and rest on the road. Gotta get where I'm going. And the rest of y'all know that we hit the ground sore. And I'll be coming for the fuckers that be summoning the trouble. Running on the double while I'm handing out the W's. Putting wins on the board every fucking day. They love me on the team because I know my fucking place. Better get in where you fit in. I'm delivering the meaning. I I inherited the demons, always sneaky, never seen them If I'm breathing, I'm reading, I'm not even being conceited I need to see for myself if you think that I'm believing It's the season of reason, y'all be ceasing the research I'm receiving the meaning, that shit's called teamwork It's not so much as so little as to do with what everything is But it is within our self-interest to understand the topography of our lives unto ourselves the future states that there is no time other than the collapsation of that sensation of the mirror of the memories in which we are living. Common knowledge, but important nonetheless. Terror spaces.